Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Thinking of starting a podcast? We'll try Anchor. It's free, easy to use, and its creation tools allow you to record and edit directly from your phone or computer. It'll even take care of distribution for you with a single tap so you can be heard on platforms such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. Also, Anchor is the only place you can publish video podcasts directly to Spotify. Man, you can even make money using Anchor in a couple of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. It's truly everything you need in one place to make a podcast. So make sure to go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Again, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Welcome to another edition of the It's Cavalier podcast. As always, it's your boy Mac. Joining me today in place of my usual co-host, Corey Walsh, is good friend of the podcast, Dan Galinsky of King James Gospel. Dan, my brother, how you doing today, man? No complaints, Mac. Um, it's, all, it's all good here. The weather's not too horrible. Hope that's the same for you. Uh, thanks for having me. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I, I hear that uh, you guys are getting... Uh, a little bit colder of a weather than we are here in Maryland, uh, cold and rainy, but uh, I can't complain too much. Hopefully in the new year, we'll start to see it warm up a little bit, but man, I hope the holiday season has been treating you well because <laughs> it has not treated the Cleveland Cavaliers well as of late. The Cavs are 0-3 since December 23rd, losing to the Raptors, Nets, and Pacers in the process. And this is actually their second longest losing streak since losing five straight from November 7th to November 16th. So my question for you, my friend, as the Cavs sit at 22 and 14 and currently fourth in the Eastern Conference and just four wins ahead of the eighth seeded New York Knicks, are the Cleveland Cavaliers in trouble? Oh, man. I don't know about trouble. I would say things of late have been troubling. Um, I just think it's it's a little bit objectively concerning with how teams have been defending Darius um, a lot of the year. I mean, the narrative's out there. He's getting hit constantly. Uh, I think some of what he said recently might be a little bit exaggerated. You think um, so? I, I mean, a little, dude. but it's, but I see where he's coming from. Like this, it's, it's a little bit like it, things are pointed defensively. Like, like guys are not just trying to like tap the ball away. They're, they're like knifing in there. And when, like, it's almost like teams will just take fouls just to see like, can he hold up? Um, <laughs> I think that's more the concern, but I think I don't want to put too much of an expectation on it, but, Ricky being back is like he, they're going to need him to to really be like a very viable player um, because it's it's getting a little bit concerning uh, and I just think the 
defensive burden on the, the two key guys right now, especially with Dean out, has mm-hmm. has been a lot. I would have to tend to agree here. And, you know, for DG, I know we talked a little bit about this before we uh, we went live here. But uh, the injury concerns for him, you know, you just hope that they don't continue to pile up. He's not a bulky dude. He's not a guy who's out there as physically imposing compared to, you know, like a Donovan Mitchell or, you know, somebody else out there like Lamar, Lamar Stevens, uh, who looks like he lives in the gym. Uh, but DG, man, he just he kind of seems to take some. And I'm not going to call it cheap shots, but you just it's very unlucky. It's like very untimely type of swipes to the face, uh, you know, to the ball and whatnot. And maybe this is all just a coincidence that it's all just seeming to pile on him this season. But it, it is concerning because as a guy continues to take lumps, especially in the early part of the season, we just want this guy to hold up. Because we've seen this happen to, you know, countless players, um, you know, throughout the past couple of seasons where they're just wearing down, constantly wearing down. And come time for the playoffs, they have nothing left to give or they're just they've been so brutalized that they're brittle, uh, you know, come the most important time of the season. So I just hope that does not continue to be the case with DG. And I know as we speak right now, I don't think he's officially been ruled out of tonight's matchup but he is listed as questionable along with evan mobley which is even more concerning to me um along with a slew of other caps but i say all that to ask you know after this point because we know during this three-game stretch that things just have not gone right on a lot of different fronts and one of the things that as i was pulling up some stats for this uh this pre-game here one of the things i noticed is that you know, during this three-game stretch, this three-game losing streak, Darius Garland is actually the Cavs' leading scorer at uh, 27 points per night. You want to take a guess who's second? Um, is it Karras? No, it, but I can't blame you for thinking that because Karras has had some pretty good games as of late. Uh, Donovan Mitchell, uh, 18.3 points per game. And while that number alone isn't like ultra concerning, what is actually concerning is the fact that over this three game stretch, Mitchell has completed just 33.3% of his total field goal attempts. Um, does that concern you at all? Um, I guess yes and no. I don't, I don't really think it's, too indicative of, of what's to come. I just think um, in the second half of that game uh, on Thursday, it just seemed out of whack. Um, and I, I think what's more of the issue is when, when Donovan isn't the Donovan we're accustomed to, or at least like the jazz iteration um, in that mold, uh, it just seems there's, there can be some offensive lulls. Um, you don't want him to be too much of a self-starter, but it seems like a lot of what he's done has, has been organically um, in what they're looking to do. Uh, I think he's actually been a, a really good movement shooter this year. I, I don't know if I really saw that to this extent coming in, um, but when he's off or out of rhythm, it like to me, they, they should be playing well, He's banged up today, but I would have liked to have seen them play through Evan even uh, more the last few games. Um, That's a little bit odd um, when he's getting like nine to 11 shots. Some of that's on Evan, but you need to see more out of that. 
And Why do you think that is? Do you think it's an aggression thing that he's just not asking for the ball? Or do you think JB's not drawing up anything for him or just game flow? I, I think it's a combination, but some of it is like he needs to – Evan's not a vocal guy, but he needs yeah. to – like because like, he's he's he has he looks notably noticeably stronger but there's times where and, and i know fans don't love him shooting threes but if there's corner threes like you do kind of want to see him take them yeah um just to maybe that close out to uh like a third of a second slower if he just takes like a few of those um there's some stretches where he just seems to pass things up a little bit and part of that's on him but some of it's also like they're trying to have him set screens um, like on ball. I don't love that. I just, I don't see him <laughs> as much of a like vertical spacer right now, just because he hasn't been as aggressive of late, but his passing is really popped. Uh, I'd like to see them play through him more in that way. Um, and just allow Donovan to, to kind of get out of this um Funk, I guess. Do we like call it? Can we call funk. it a slump? <laughs> I, I, mean, I don't it, know about. I don't know about slump, but he's been like when he gets off to the, to like slow starts in particular. Uh, it just seems like the team themselves are there's just like a malaise over them, and that's that to me is kind of the issue. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if we can call eighteen point three points a slump if you're averaging that uh, a night. But when you're accustomed to seeing this guy score damn near thirty a game, as he's done numerous times this season, I guess you can. You know, it's okay to feel a little concerned um, in regards to the field goal percentages. Anyways, thing about Evan, in my opinion, you know, when you were looking at his stat line, you know, over his last five games, 10.8 points, 6.4 rebounds, 3.2 assists. I love the fact that he's facilitated a little bit more. They're they're allowing him to do that. Um, The three-point shooting that you referenced earlier, he's taken eight threes during that stretch. He hasn't hit any of them. And so obviously, you know, the defense is not going to run out there to defend that, but he has to take that when it's available. It's kind of like the same thing that we say about Lamar Stevens and Isaac Okoro when they have these attempts that are usually wide open. You want to see them take that just as so you have that spacing element in the offense. But just purely in regards to Mobley kind of stepping up on that offensive end, to me, I I honestly think it's purely mental for him because you know some guys they you know they're they are not shy about taking that shot. I mean, you've seen guys walk through Rock and Mortgage Field House, you know, the queue, anywhere, whatever you want to call it. Guys like Dion Waiters uh, who are just not going to shy away from taking their shots. And then you have other guys who are a little bit more passive, um, you know, whether they need offense created for them or they just prefer to set other guys up or somewhere in between. I kind of feel like Evan Mobley is in that in-between stage. Um, Is he passive? I think so. He's got a little bit of that gene in him. Does he? Should he be a little bit more vocal? Um, I think that will come in time as you know as he matures. But on a team featuring the likes of Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland, I just I don't know. In at least in this instance right now with these guys, the current makeup of this roster, if he's ever going to be that player who's going to demand touches. Um, do you, I do you think? the Cavs ideally have him as the second option this season, or do you think that's too soon? Because at this point, I I think it it probably is, but I think after this year, 
there needs to be a a hard conversation, whether it's JB. I think it has to be Donovan, frankly, that goes up to him and says, hey, Evan, like, you, you got to be – I think he actually ultimately – You got to do that with DG, too, uh, then. You have to guy. do that with DG, too. Yeah, I think so, but – I, I don't think it's as harsh of a or like a point of a conversation as it would be with with Don. But look at that! Thank you, Taylor H. For those of you who may be streaming via audio, DG and Evan are ruled out. A la Chris Fedor. Oh, that's brutal, tough loss. Uh, we'll get to that in a second. But just to finish up this point on Evan, uh, yeah, I think it's too soon. I think that. You have to allow this guy to feel comfortable enough to step in and demand touches because that 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 vocal uh, I don't even know what kind of adverb to use with that. I mean the 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 vocality. I don't know if that if that's even a real word, but you you can't just expect the guy. I feel like to just all of a sudden wake up one day and say, shit, <laughs> I right. should be the second guy here. A lot of people believe that I'm going to end up leading this team to a championship one day or feel like I'm going to be the centerpiece of of the Caps uh, a year or two from now. And while that very well may be true, as of right now, the pecking order to me is pretty clear. Uh, but to, to, input, to, to your point, I think that if Donovan, if you're going to ask Donovan or one of the team leaders to step up and have a conversation with Evan, I think you probably are going to end up having that conversation with DG too. Um, because obviously this is your super max, uh, well, your, your, your max point guard who you, you just paid out a ton of money to who's already made, been to an all-star game and may very well go to an all-star game this season. You're, you're likely asking him to take a step back. And, and be that third option. Be, at least that's how I'm reading it, because Donovan Mitchell, to me, has established himself as that guy right now. Um, do you see that transition eventually happening? Do you think DG is eventually going to be made into a third option? I think ultimately he has to be. I just think – and he seems like the guy that it wouldn't be – like he doesn't have the um, – uh, he, like he has every player that that is getting paid, he's paying has some level of ego, regardless of who the guy is, and it's understandable. And I want that guy to have. You don't get to the NBA without it. I feel like. Yeah, and but I just think with his nature as a, a lead guard, but is like a true combo, like is a, a balanced player in terms of playmaking and getting for or getting his own. I, I think he would realize like. I don't, I'm not saying that it can't be the case, but to guys of, of him and Donovan's ilk, I just think Evan has to eventually be that number two guy. And I think between like, there has to be a three-way conversation between him, Don and Darius with Darius in the room. Like, I just think for this team to, to take that next step, it's gotta be the six eleven dude who can do some of everything um, to be that yeah. second guy, just because. And the other issue is he's he's grown in this area considerably, but it's just sometimes it's just hard for Darius to get to get free throw attempts, and it that's a, a key. I think at times a problem, and and I think Evan, there's something that can be exploited more there, uh, even more than than it has been. I think so that that's part of it. 
I think that's fair to say. I think DG just it just does doesn't seem to come natural to Darius Garland like it did like it does with Donovan Mitchell on a lot of nights and like it used to with Colin Sexton. Um, guys like that who are just you know full steam ahead to the rim are more prone to drawing fouls. I feel like DG's a little bit more finesse. Um, you know, yeah. and he and he can draw fouls. I don't want anybody. Seems like to it's this. it's more on jump shots though, and yes. it's more from craft and i think that is probably part of the reason why he he's had these kind of nicks that he's dealt with uh is he's he's so reliant on the change of pace which is a good thing Quick but yeah. at, at times like there's transition plays where you want to see him just put his head down and get there and he'll kind of finesse it a little bit mm-hmm. and use english which is understandable in set offense but in the open floors to me where it's kind of the problem yeah, and I just don't know if DG is ever going to be that type of guy, and I think that's okay. You know, as long yeah, as yeah, it is fine. Honestly. Yeah, if if you have players like that on your roster already, you can make up for that. And you know, having Donovan Mitchell, a guy like that, is more than capable of covering that aspect of the game. Um, Evan Mobley is is probably going to get to that point. I feel like, um, and then you know, you have some other guys who who are capable of doing that and Karis Levert. And and yep. speaking of Levert, um, I'm assuming, you know, I haven't actually looked at this since it was uh, dropped into the chat here by Taylor. Um, I'm assuming that means that they're going to bump Karis Levert into the starting lineup tonight in place of DG. Um, if that is the case, um, how do you see this playing out tonight in regards to the uh, the flow of the offense? Because as a starter, we know that Karras has experienced pretty pretty decent success this season. 14.1 points, 5.1 assists, 4.6 rebounds in 16 games as a starter this season. And, uh, you know, I just – the only real gripe in regards to that was his shooting percentages. Um, and, you know, we he started out fairly hot from range during that, but – do you, do you think that the Cavs can go ahead and, you know, march on with Karis back in the starting unit? Because that is a big piece that you're pulling off the bench. Yeah, I've, I I just don't love it. Uh, maybe it'll be fine. I, I think our first game this year, I think he was um, – Donovan had a big night. It was our first one of the year, I believe, like the second game. Toronto um, or Chicago? I, I think the Bulls. I'm pretty positive. Yeah, so he had a 14, four and eight. That was the stat. That was yeah, the overt yeah. stat line during that stretch. Like it was solid, um, but I just think when he's as a starter, it's almost as. I mean, I, maybe not exactly, but it's it's like a true combo feel with him and Don, um, kind of functioning to me as like de facto ones. It's kind of like a shared sort of thing. I think in pick and roll, he's actually much more effective because he can have that with Jared Allen. Yeah. Um, And I think it, right. Like it can open up um, guys in the perimeter there, but I just think defensively when he has to start, it's just, I I have my concerns. Um, I'm not sure. Is Caruso in? I can't, I can't recall. Uh, as of the Bulls injury report through Bleacher Report, Caruso is still listed uh, okay, as doubtful. Okay, yeah. yeah, that's what I'm seeing too. Um, that could help a little bit. I was thinking like between him and Don getting drawing some of that, um, but maybe it'll be fine. I just with Karis, honestly, in my opinion, I just never know what I'm going to get. 
<laughs> and when he's playing extended stretches with with Donovan, it, it's just hard to say. I mean, he's had like he had the eruption in Boston, but like the next game, he also had I think like one point. So, in my opinion, it's just I don't really have a, a set prediction. It's hard to say, um, but I think his passing is the the biggest positive when he started bar none. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I know a lot of people like to point out that uh, that 41 point game against Boston and then immediately after that one point game against New York while he was in the starting lineup. Um, for me, I I think the, the, the thing in regards to the vert that I've had to kind of tell myself is that I should not go into any game with the vert starting expecting the world of him. And usually when I do that, he, he surprises me because, you know, far it doesn't happen often that that he averages you know double digit points and then you know a severely low amount in the single digits and usually when he does he's adding other things uh yeah you know, his, but his defense actually has been far better this year yeah um no matter what role he's been in than I, than I would have imagined and I, yeah. I give him all of his flowers for that and he actually is an impactful rebounder too and he's been fairly healthy this season. That's another yes, thing that yeah. we can't discount uh, about Karras this season. But I think this is all coming to a head uh, in regards to, you know, what the Cavs are going to ultimately end up doing with the Vert, um, whether that be at the trade deadline or, you know, honestly, I think it's it's trending in that direction, as we've heard new, from numerous news outlets that the Cavs may be seeking to try and bring in a 3 D wing via the trade market. Um, whether or not Karis LeVert is added or included in that, and one would honestly have to think if they're not including a member of the core and they'd like to hold on to Rubio and, and Love and whatnot, that, you know, LeVert, Okoro, Stevens, Wade, any of these other guys are going to be trade fodder, at least guys that they're dangling out there. And for LeVert, he's probably their most enticing chip in regards to that group of players. Um, by no means am I saying that I want Levert shipped out of town. Anybody who's listening to this, but I, I do have to recognize that him, at least, them at least getting production out of him like they have this season um, does help his trade value. And the Cavs really are serious about taking that next step in regards to acquiring a 3D player. Levert may end up being shipped out. Um, but to kind of tie a bow on this whole thing in regards to the injury report here, the Cavs are 6-0, and I believe, without Darius Garland in the starting lineup. So that does give me a little bit of confidence. But uh, when you're down Evan Mobley, too, who's been ruled out, I just don't know what to expect. Um, I'm assuming that just like with Karras, you're probably going to elevate Kevin Love into the uh, into the starting unit. And I, have, I read somewhere earlier that uh, both Mamadou Diakite, you know, my guy, uh, and Isaiah Mobley have been uh, are, are with the Cavs tonight, so we might actually see them play significant minutes because the Cavs are are down quite a few players. You know, Rubio has yeah. not made his season debut yet. Dylan Windler, who knows if we'll ever see him in Cavs wine and gold again, and uh, Dean Wade, as uh, you know, we were talking about a little bit earlier. And then obviously, you know, with Robin Lopez, just don't know what you're going to get out of him. So, um, if you are if you are JB Bickerstaff heading into tonight's matchup against a, a very, very talented Chicago Bulls team who has underachieved this season, at least in my opinion. Um, what is the game plan now, now that we know that both Evan and DG will not be making appearances? Yeah, I just think you you have to try to keep them um, 
an issue of late has been transition defense. Uh, I, I think you have to um, just harp on getting back. Uh, like to me, especially with Evan banged up, I, I'm. It, it still to me seems like the Cavs try to hit the glass offensively too much. I, I think that's kind of the problem. They sell uh, out to do it a lot of the time. Yeah, and I just think if they're more patient, they're fine. I think that's that's something I'm looking at. Uh, and I, I might throw in zone a little bit uh, just to to switch things up uh, on DeMar. Um, but I just think he, when you're playing guys like Dasunmu, um, I'm not, I can't remember if uh, Jermichael Green is active tonight or not. I, I'm not sure. But guys like that. He's listed are, on their injury report. Okay. Well, it's just, I think you have to, you got to just try to get back. Um, and I just think with the Cavs, it's it's going to sound cliche, but if, if they turn the ball over a lot, I mean, a, a fair amount, they're going to lose. Um, that's continually been kind of a kind of a key indicator for them when they go up these big stretches. Uh, I think that's key. Um, but I just think it's AC likes to say it on the broadcasts, like get the ball below the foul line, play inside out. I think when they do that, um, they'll have a shot. But again, I, I just think in this kind of game, especially given the personnel out, I, I don't think I think you have to be a little more conservative in, in the sense that you, you can't be flat, crashing the glass as much. But I, I just think if they move it inside out, the Bulls are not a team defensively right now, especially with Caruso banged up. They're going to be able to defend multiple passes. They have problems uh, on the weak side a little bit. They're they're gamblers. Um, I just. I think if the Cavs are patient, they'll give themselves a good chance. Um, but again, if DG isn't in there, that's that makes it tough. Very tough indeed. Now, speaking to the defensive point here, over their last three games, this is the stat. Well, this is the amount that they've given up. And I just, you know, what's concerning to me and what continues to be a, I feel like a continual thing here. Uh, they gave up 118 to Toronto. They gave up 125 to Brooklyn. And then they gave up 135 to Indiana. And that's with mostly healthy, uh, with the mostly healthiest Cavs team. Is that concerning to you? Like, what the hell happened to this top-rated defense? Is it just a like a, a freak thing, just kind of a coincidence, or you know, just a, a defensive lull? Or is there there's there an underlying issue here? Because what I've seen a lot of people kind of point out is the 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 lack of ability, or maybe not necessarily the ability, but the lack of uh, attention to detail in regards to defending the three point line, especially against Indiana. Who they, every time they threw up a triple, I felt like that shit was going in. Like I, I already knew. Like uh, Tyrese Halliburton was shooting lights out, but he healed every time he let it fly. I was flinching. What what is what has got to be done here? Because we have guys who can go out there and do that. They just did not seem to do it. Yeah, I just think with the Cavs, I think a little bit is, I mean, you see like when there's a defensive three-second call, like they'll do their clap. Um, I, I just think there's, at times, it's a little bit lost in translation because they try to dominate the paint. And I get that. It's, I mean, philosophical. Um, but I just think... 
some of it is, is like you said, lack of attention to detail. It seems like at times it could be because JB should be playing more guys right now. Usually eight to nine man rotations, kill it. And I just think it's it's hard to get out there on the weak side uh, so consistently when there's like four pass possessions, and it, it's hard to to be on every one of them. Um, I, I just think a little bit is fatigue, and I think at this point in the year where we're at, um, the team is banged up. I think that's part of it, but I just think it's it's a lot of burden on. Like, do we want Jared to switch? Do we want him to to, to drop? Uh, I just think some of it is like not having guys like Dean Wade. I think some of it's just personnel based. But like you said, your your guy Diakite should should probably be with the Cavs more than than not right now. <laughs> I want to see this guy get some time. I mean, even he, Isaiah Mobley. I want to see them both get a at least ten to fifteen minutes. I want to see what they can do. I think a little bit of it with the three things. I think it's just a, a little bit of a lack of of uh, lack of length, and I think those two can definitely help there. And I just think some of it is just on the the Mobley Allen burden, um, but not having. And I'm I'm not going to say Jetty's an impact defender necessarily, but his closeouts have been actually a lot better this year, and that that has hurt a little bit. Um, some of it's just guys to me are, are just at the point in the season where they're just banged up and tired. And it's, it's hard to pinpoint exactly the, the set thing, but I, I would have liked to have gotten how a little more run. I mean, the, the advanced splits aren't great, but I think his, we should be utilizing his point of attack ball pressure a little bit more too. I, I think some of that, it's just a combination of things right now. But I think it's it's nothing that they can't sort through. And Rubio, like his on-floor leadership it, it, from a defensive communication standpoint will definitely help as well. Certainly. Um, and I think you're obviously you're, – you're you have no choice tonight but to give Howard Neto some significant run. Um, you're, you're going to play him, especially without DG, possibly without Jetty Osmond as well. I'm not sure if he's been rolled in or out. Um, you're going to play – uh, how who who can get to the line and can facilitate a lot better. We can run the pick and roll a lot better than a lot of people like to give them credit for. Uh, one of the big things to me that I've recognized over this last stretch of games, and not even just this losing streak, uh, is is the continued. I don't want to say development because it's a, it's a short sample size. But Isaac Okoro, whether coming off the bench or starting, has really started to play a lot better, in my opinion, as of late. Nine and a half points, 2.8 rebounds, two assists over his last six games. And he's actually started to drop the three ball, or at least attempted a little bit more uh, than we have seen him in, uh, in in previous outings this season. I I just have to ask, Dan, are you at the point with a Coral where you're like you've taken – the draft status out of it, like you've taken that expectations of a top five pick out of it, because that's honestly where I'm at. Like, I'm just, I'm enjoying watching him at least try and get better. Where are you at with Isaac Okoro right now? Give me your honest opinion. I don't want to <laughs> give me your honest opinion. Yeah, I'm with you. I think he's played a lot better lately. It seems like he's kind of, like he's playing within himself, but is we're seeing glimpses of him trying to like at least like there are a few times I think in the Pacer game where um, 
he at least put the ball on the ground mm-hmm. out of the corner, made a play for Jared. I think Jared one time. Got yeah, that dish one, on a cutting Jared out. There's yeah. been more of that sort of like little sprouts of growth stuff more consistently in the last like three weeks, whether it's actually shown up in the stat sheet or not. Um, I think that's key stuff. Like if like to me at Auburn, like he was actually, he didn't have a ton of volume, no doubt, but he, there was a lot of pockets of uh, like growth potential is, is a second, just like a secondary ball mover and at least connecting passer. And like Dean Wade does that really well, very underrated part of his game. Like we're seeing more of that from Isaac. And of course the, the draft stat is okay, whatever. Um, but it's not like to me, do people want to get say we should have gotten McDaniels, who's the the kid on the Hornets, for example, over him traded back? Okay, that's fine. I don't argue that. Um, but Isaac, I think at this point we have to know he's not going to be much of a creator in set offense. But if he can be a connector there, that would be that. That's like a fifth guy in the lineup. Like I think just the key with him. If teams are going to – like, he can't – he can be a low-usage guy, but he can't be, like, content not making plays if he's not going to be a shooting presence. Like, at least maybe that's kind of like a Ruby, Rubio element in that sense. Like, if you're not going to be a shooter, at least be – make make some plays, and I think that has been the biggest key with him thus far. But if you want to use him as a trade – piece in a trade package i i again i i can't blame you for it uh yeah for me like i honestly i want to see the Cavs give him more time because the guy's only 21 years old i still think there's a lot left there um i don't know if he'll ever truly reach his full potential with cleveland just because of the the the, the mere the the sheer amount of talent that's here and the amount of guys that that need touches um, so I ultimately, I don't know what lies ahead for Coro in regards to, you know, trade season. Uh, but he's definitely a name that is probably going to be dangled out there, uh, to your point about the facilitation of it all, the shot attempts of it all, um, over these last five games, he's averaging about six and a half attempts a night. And a lot of those have been transition, you know, in transition, a lot of dunks, a lot of plays that have been made. That's not for, a bad play though. Like if, no, if no, he can no, get no, out there, not. that's, that's ideal. I mean, I want him to make plays and maximize those situations. He's been doing that. And I at least like that his style does render him at least drawing some free throws. And oh, for that sure. for a player of his ilk is, is plenty fine. You absolutely do not want to be in his way. And as he is on oh, yeah. the way, full steam ahead to the basket uh, for a dunk or, you know, even in a, even a layup, he's a guy who can draw fouls that way. He's actually uh, drawn about two a game during that stretch. And while that might seem like a very tiny amount, when you consider the fact that he just does not get, a, he's a low usage player. Uh, when he does have those opportunities, he usually does make the most out of them. Uh, seeing him run out in transition, it's kind of similar to Jetty this season. Like Jetty is like money, like in, in transition. Anytime he's got a steal or he's out in the fast break, and you see him put up a layup, you you, you should feel good about that because right. Jetty usually is uh, pretty consistently making shots in that in that um, scenario. And Isaac is much the same way out in transition. That's where a lot of his attempts come from. And as I mentioned before, you know, he is taking that three-point shot a lot more than he had 
in the past. The fact still remains that defenses are not respecting him because he is not making enough of them. Uh, And that's obviously like the biggest flaw in his game right now. And that kind of leads me to my next point. The Cavs, like their their wing options, their threes, whatever label you want to put on them, the starting small forward spot is just wide open right now because every single option that the Cavs have currently on their roster has some sort of flaw, whether that be Isaac and his woes beyond the arc, whether that be the Lamar Stevens experiencing much the same, uh, whether that be Dean Wade's consistency in regards to staying healthy. <laughs> uh, that's one of his biggest factors right now because a lot of people had Dean penciled in at, at certain points in, at, at that point. Um, and then, you know, you you run off some of these secondary options here who are usually spot starters in Jetty and, and Karras. The Cavs don't have a single guy right now that is locked down that starting small forward position. So if the rumors are true about them potentially reaching out and trying to attain somebody – Give me three players that you'd like to see the Cavs take a flyer on at that uh, small four position. Yeah, I, I think you have to say um, Bogdanovich in Detroit. Uh, it's just such a – you know what you're getting there. Um, it's understandable. I guess I'll throw Kuzma in there just because, I, I mean – He's really put it together as a three-level scorer. I just think the whole issue is what I mean. He's he's he has to opt out, obviously, in the offseason. You would think the cost of acquiring, yeah. But it's at least just to see what you could how, what how that could impact your ceiling this year. If they kind of threw it out there, I couldn't blame them. Um, that's another one, and from there. Hmm. I don't know. I, I still think I know it's it's kind of like a people have probably dreamt it, but I, I still think you have to just for the hell of it, at least just put a call into Sacramento to see what just what the asking price would be for Barnes, just for the hell of it. Um, if it's insurmountable, whatever. Uh, I just think he's almost ideally what what this team needs for me. Leadership, postseason experience, um, three, four uh, hybrid capabilities, um, really like as a, a bucket getter guy and also as an ideal off ball player. Um, I think that's another one. But I think there's, I'm not a big, big guy for him, but I think it, you have, it would be, malpractice to not just see what the price, like just put a call in for Cam Reddish for the hell of it. <laughs> um, just, I mean, from like playable depth and the guy is a confident player. And I think that's part of the issue with our three position is our guy's confident enough and he could be a player that cannot, he, he's the capable or has the capability of honestly, like turning a playoff series with his talent. So I think that's another one that I, I think the, asking price has to be pretty minimal at this point. Um, the dude just kind of almost wants out. And if it's a numbers game, you give him a chance. If it, if it blows up, then oh well. Um, I just think that's like a no no risk scenario almost at this point. That's, that's another one I, I still have to at least consider if I'm Kobe. 
I think those are all pretty viable options um, and ones that the Cavs will probably have on their radar. Um, I think McDaniels, you know. honestly, in Charlotte is another one, too. I, I don't see – I mean, that team is – I know that Lamella was hurt, but they're going – they're in the sweepstakes. And they're probably – You see them potentially – well, I think they're probably – it sounds like they're going to move P.J. Washington. I was just getting ready to ask I, I about was, that, yeah. I would just put a call on for both of those guys for the hell of it. I, I think McDaniels in particular, um, I would gladly get rid of the Coral for him. Uh, like, <laughs> I wouldn't have any – For McDaniels or Washington? Uh, honestly, for McDaniels. I, I think that dude is silently one of the most he's – a, he's a top 20 defender in the NBA. Like, he, he is that versatile – on that end of the floor, he's a tremendous rim protector for a guy his size. And he really, he has a legit offensive game that I think could blossom playing off of creators like Donovan Darius. I think he, I think he's a legit player. Like I, I think down the road, like he, he, I'm not saying he's a star level, but he could be very, very good in the right situation. So. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not really certain what Jalen McDaniels uh, would, would cost the Cavs to acquire. I'm sure it'd be a little bit more than a Coro. Maybe uh, you throw in a piece uh, additionally, but who knows? Uh, for me, and some names that we continuously hear in regards to the Cavs, Jay Crowder. Um, do you still Crowder, think that Crowder is on the Cavs' uh, uh, radar? I mean, I think I, I think he's probably on a number of teams' radars. Just, I mean based on what's being reported, rumored, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and I get that, um, the postseason stuff, uh, the finals runs. Like, it's got some toughness to, to him. He, he has toughness. Um, I think it's fake guy toughness, but it's, hey, it's toughness nonetheless. This is a team that a lot of people, I feel like that's one of the things that a lot of people like to stress about. Oh, the Cavs, they don't have any toughness. There's nobody out there that that shows any type of toughness when some guy gets fouled. There's no backbone, things of that that's nature. True. I know yeah. that you've seen people say that. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's fair to say. Um, I don't know if there's none. I just think – I think that in particular with Jay Crowder is a little bit overplayed. Um, but if like, to me, that's not the reason why you're getting, you're swinging a deal for Crowder. Like there has to be more tangible there. <laughs> and I just, I don't know if he really is like the true three and D guy that, that people think he is. I just think he's, I think it's a lot of bark, and I, I don't really know if there's real bite. And that's just my opinion. A lot of people love Jay Crowder and want to see uh, him again. I'm not one of them. But if, like, to me, I, this might be a hot take, and I've been a critic in the past of Jetty, but I wouldn't be crazy about even giving up Jetty for Jay Crowder because I at least know what Jetty behind the scenes means to the Cavs. And I, I just think what. I don't know if like Crowder in the playoffs is going to be good. I don't know if he's going to really mesh. Maybe he will, maybe he won't. But I think if you can't mesh playing off of LeBron and Kevin Love and other guys, like in Dwayne Wade, who was a vastly underrated passer. Oh, man. I, it was a volatile situation, if, I feel like. I just – I don't know if he really meshes. And I don't want to take valuable minutes from Jetty and Dean – for Jay Crowder, I, I just I don't think he's that level of offensive player. Or I think his defense is kind of overhyped as well. I mean, he's he's frankly not fluid, and 
he's not the stopper that people think he is, and he doesn't really have tremendous length. And I, I don't know. I, I would frankly like that's not that is not in, in any way a needle mover to me whatsoever. I think that's for me. Here's hear me out. Hear me out. He also that. hasn't played. I mean, the guys. I can't blame him if he was rusty for a month. Like he, I mean, yeah, he, Cleveland knows all about that right now uh, with Deshaun Watson, obviously. But, you know, just in regards to Jay Crowder, here's the thing. Like, yes, he hasn't played this season, but since joining Phoenix, I think the three-point shot is is significant. You know, since he's joined Phoenix, he's can 36.9% of his, you know, total triples. I think that yeah. that's, 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 that's enough. That That's a fair thing to say. Now, whether or not, you know – he he would be the type of needle mover that the Cavs are expecting right now at that three spot that would warrant any type of potential trade. That remains to be seen. And But the thing that I can say is that the Cavs kind of seem apt right now to just make a move, period, like bring another body in. And I know that's part of the reason why you're throwing names out like Cam Reddish. That's a, that's a name that's going to probably continuously pop up because of the cost is probably going to be significantly lower than a Crowder because, trust me, um, if Phoenix wanted to move Crowder, he would it, like for for scraps. They would have already done that. They're expecting yeah. a, a, a not a significant haul, but probably more than you probably would get from a Cam Reddish. So I definitely understand that. But purely in regards to Crowder, I think the fit for me, I'd like to see it. You know, I, I get the the first time around in Cleveland was just was not a good look for Crowder. Uh, didn't seem to be want to be here. A lot of moodiness on his part, but I think a lot of that had to do with just the pure pressure. You know, just the the, the pressurization of playing with LeBron and having the you know being brought to town and instantly having those title hopes be thrust upon you. Uh, yeah, it was tough. I, I'll I'll be objective in saying, and the Kyrie situation looming didn't help. Like I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna grill him for that. I just don't think. I think a lot of his situation where he's kind of rebranded things a little bit is a lot of it has just been the, <laughs> the playmaking around him. Yeah. And yeah. playing also with a top probably three or four, like two way player in the league in Butler, who's a phenomenal passer. Like I, I just, I don't really know. And it was also the bubble. So like, it was kind of a perfect storm there. I, I don't really know if it's as much him. I, I don't know, but I think that's fair. Yeah, I mean, you just never know. You know, there's a ton of guys that you could probably say that about right now. Hell, even like TJ Warren, who was like a bubble superstar, has, you know, he's played a little bit more uh, as of late with with Brooklyn. Well, TJ does have a bag, though. Like that, offensively. He can can get 25 any given night. Like, I I get the allure with TJ Warren, but. Obviously, injuries to me are kind of probably a bigger thing than most people. But yeah, I'm not going to get into the detail there. <laughs> injuries uh, for TJ Warren, you know, the offensive bag is definitely there. The defensive concerns are there too for him, and that that's yeah. one of the biggest things that's hindered him. Crowder is kind of like, you know, at least from an offensive standpoint, what his role should be, but theoretically, what that would look like at this point at 31 years old, you know, he's obviously not the long term fit for the Cavs. Uh, but again, I just tame Joe Harris. I, I personally am out on Joe Harris. I, I don't think. No, I, I just feel like he'll be he'd be marginalized in the playoffs. I and mean, he has not been good in the playoffs either. 
for me, it's not even just that. For me, it's the fact that like the Cavs essentially this season, if they do opt to make a trade, it's literally just a stopgap. The starting three of the future is they're not going to acquire through the trade deadline this season. It's just not going to happen unless they're like miraculously somebody is just dumping a salary out on the Cavs or something like that, or they're willing to part with a big piece. And I do not see any of Evan Moley, Darius Garland, obviously not Donovan Mitchell, Jared Allen. If they're not moving one of those four players, I do not see them bringing in the starting small forward of the future. I will say I did forget kind of a big one in Sadiq Bay. If he was on, my I would give up a, I would give up a little bit of a haul for Bay. Oh, Okoro, anything they want outside of that core four, they got. I don't think it's, I don't think it's necessarily like insurmountable to get him either. It's like Weaver seems to change his mind every week as to what direction he wants. I, I don't think. I think actually now I think about it, it's malpractice for Kobe to not ask about Bay. Like I'm he, sure like he almost is an ideal player because and he has enough length. Like he he's kind of like a three four, not two three. Yeah, that that I've I that slipped my mind. That is the one. Like to me, that's almost like the the crown jewel at this point for the Cavs. I think, you know, Bay, I, when I made a trade video the other day for the Cavs, Bay was definitely one of the guys on the on the uh, on the list. But for Bay, like the biggest thing that's hampered him throughout uh, this season is that three point shot. Like it just it's been absolutely abysmal on this season uh, when you when you I think take a, some of that, though, has been the Cade situation, too. I mean, and it definitely could. Cade's been out for a while now, and the, you know, I, I just Bay's, think the the lack, like uh, Killian's, a good, Killian's a really good playmaker. I don't deny that, but I just think they have so many young pieces that need to be able to show expanded offensive game. I think some of it's that with him. Mm-hmm. He's trying to show. He, it almost seems like he's trying to showcase more stuff. And given that situation. Um, it's understandable. Like you kind of want young guys to do that. And Casey's a good developmental coach in the sense that yeah. he'll give guys some of a leash for that. Um, but I just think with the, a team like with the Cavs infrastructure, it, he could really like be a like souped up Jake Crowder. And I think Absolutely. he is Jake Crowder with a like legit on ball bag. Like he is actually an underrated mid post game, for example. And I think here, like in like, the the archetype for him, I feel like, is the poor man's Ananobi, and I don't think he's Ananobi. But shoot, talk about guys you trade the bag away for. Well, yeah, like. <laughs> we're not even getting into that. But, <laughs> but I just I think Bay. I, don't know, I should probably dive into it further, but I just think analytically, um, schematically, from a size standpoint, that's the guy that if I'm Kobe, I. I I'm putting packages together now. Oh, I'm sure Kobe's in his wheelhouse right now, trying to figure some shit out how to get Bay. Uh, you guys, well, like I think that. It, I'm kind of with you in the sense, though. In the next, like the next, like three weeks is kind of this. I don't want to be dramatic, but it could be kind of season telling at this point as to where the Cavs go, just because I they. Think that's fair. It's they're starting to pile up injuries. It's a very road heavy month as well. 
Um, they, like you said, they, they might just need some juice and I don't know if that's a, a sizable move. It probably wouldn't be, but right now, like in the next week, probably they, they, they got to do something. <sighs> I, you know, I, time will tell. Maybe they put in a, a trade call for Jordan Wara. I don't know. I, I would take, that would be almost to me. I don't know. I think the Bucks actually might want more for him than people think. He's actually silently pretty valuable to that team. Very underrated. That's another player you gotta you gotta look at. Somebody put these like dudes that kind of seem like they're kind of on the margins guys. Like he he can really play. Like I he's killed us when we played them. Nora can shoot the lights out, I feel like, when he wants to. Another guy out there from Milwaukee who has really probably invaluable to them is Bobby Portis. That dude is oh, yeah. absolutely ridiculous for them. Um, and I know that Cavs probably should not be looking at Bobby Portis, but I just wanted to point that out. Dude's been balling. Um, yeah, I don't know. The, the Cavs trade options are – it's it's really hard to tell right now because I just – I'm not sure what they're willing to – what they're willing to give up. And I'm sure that that is pretty much everybody outside of the core four, but – just it's it's going to be a telling couple of weeks leading up to the trade deadline, um, and it probably to your point will end up determining how this cap season is going to end up going. And one of the things that Kobe said as they, you know, I'll just say this as one last thing. Sure, sorry to cut you off. I just think they have to do whatever they have to do to not be a playing team, and like that, like this team more than and I don't want to sound doomsday, but. It's not a guarantee that they're a non-playing team. I don't and see it. I see. They, I see top eight. Well, I see top six seed rather. I do too. I, I don't d- disagree with you at all. But it, it's hard it's to say just because the East is so loaded. Like even a team like I mean, going to that game against Indy, like I, I, I didn't think it would be. I, I think the Cavs. I want to say were favored maybe by five and a half. I'm not completely positive, but. I thought that was a game like, like, come on, like, let's get off the schnod. Let's get going a little bit. <laughs> I didn't think that the Pacers would shoot 61% from three. Like, like I don't think was, anybody thought that, Dan. That was kind of like, that just shows like how, like, there's, there are no like guaranteed schedule wins going forward. Like they have to kind of maybe accelerate the timeline a little bit is, is the problem. It, it's a, it's a tough spot to be in. I feel bad for JB too, because he's getting a lot of heat. Uh, you know, Which that is, has to not me, changed. I think that's ridiculous. I don't understand that. Dan, he's but. been getting heat since the moment he was hired the, like, as a full-time coach. I feel like he's like – obviously, there's a magnification on him this season due to the trade for Donovan Mitchell. And I think like to your point of like speeding up the process here, they already did that with acquiring Mitchell. I think that um, you know, at this point right now, honestly – one of the big things that Kobe said prior to this Cavs season at Cavs media day was that, Hey, this is not title or bust this season. This is yeah. going to be a process. And I think a lot of players know that or knew that coming into the season, but just due to the very it's easy, nature, it's easy to say that prior to a season, of course, but you it, know, it allows you to hedge your, against yourself. Uh huh. But I'm just saying like this team, anything if they can don't, if they don't win a playoff series, in my opinion, I I think is they, it a failure? I don't no, I don't think it is, but I think if you lose, like you have to win two playoff games. Like like in my opinion, JB, what whether it's fair or not, I think he's out. Maybe that's if they hot. don't if they don't win two playoff games. Like if they get if it's like a five game 
loss. Yeah. And the games are not like that close. Because let's be frank, are the Cavs going to be better than a four seed? I, I don't really see that. I, I don't see it. Uh, they said Maybe that I'm last wrong, year. But yeah. I mean, I'm just saying, like, even if they say they are the three seed, say it's like a best case scenario, uh-huh. you got to figure like you're playing probably a, I don't know, you're probably playing like an Atlanta or somebody like that. That, that's not, that's a tough first round. Like that's just that that's like maybe maybe it's a better a different team, but I don't know. It's it's very difficult right now. The Cavs are I like I think they have plenty of playable depth, but it's just they need to make a decision whether they want playable depth or to really like get that for the fifth starter. It's it, it's it's not an easy decision at all. I don't know. I have a lot of more questions heading into the new year than I did. I would say three weeks ago, even like it's it's like kind of like night and day. It's actually a little, the more we talk about it, the more concerned I get. Actually, <laughs> I mean, but, I don't we have our savior. You. We have our savior in, in in the flesh, almost back. So, I, I credit, do not blame you for the record. Thank you. I'm glad we you need, enjoyed that. We need him to be kind of him. I'm not even kidding. Like. I do not know what we're going to see out of Ricky Rubio. You know, I, just, I can't season. wait to see it. Um, I've, I've been waiting on pins and needles for honestly like two months to see it. I think that we all have. I think that's an understatement. Like everybody knows like Rubio prior to that injury was a leading candidate or at least going to be a leading candidate for that six man of the year award. We all know whatever what ended up happening with that. But Rubio was that impactful last season. Tyler Hero wasn't even a six man. No, he he was was pretty much a starter. Um, Come on. Rubio this season. shots a game. I think, you know, before we close out of here, I think the big thing to keep in mind about Rubio is that we need to temp, you know, temper our expectations. And I think that's like, for us as fans, that's like a difficult ass thing to do. Like we know this bench unit has been due to the pace that the Cavs play with. That's one factor. But the other factor is that flat out, the Cavs are just inconsistent as shit off the bench. You don't know what you're going to get from one game to the next with Kevin Love and Karis LeVert, Jetty Osmond and company. You just don't know what you're going to get. And so when you drop Rubio into that, you're like halfway expecting him to be the savior. Like you said, to like come in, be be the guy that comes in and just gets everybody rolling, get Jetty back playing like we know how he was playing with Rubio last season, get Kevin Love he, those looks that he got last season with Rubio. I, yeah, I think you hit the, the hammer to the nail. I just think with the key with Ricky when he's back is like he truly unlocks – other guys like off the bench. I think that has a, a ton to do with it. I just think the biggest question mark when he's back is how does like what how does Harris fit into that? Can he? Because I think a lot of the the allure with Harris is the secondary passing being very meaningful, and if that's I, that might lead to the redundancy questions is the problem. And that's when you get to trade season and dangling Levert out there because he's not under contract. Do I want, you know, again, like we don't know what the hell is going to happen, but I do think that there's a possibility that it could work, you know. Um, it could. Um, having that additional punch of Rubio out there helping to find Karras more looks, whether that be as a spot up shooter or as a cutter, because that's, to me, that's been an underrated part of his game too. Yeah. It's like cutting to the basket this season for Levert. But, there's there's precedent for it to work, but whether it will, 
is a whole nother thing in itself. And I think that's a whole nother dynamic because we saw just last season, like trying to implement Rubio beside both uh, Colin and, and, uh, and Darius was difficult at points last season. And there was all these questions about who's going to be in the closing lineups. Yep. That's, that's, there's just that'll so many definitely be there too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's true. I mean, it's a good problem to have, I suppose, for yeah. now. Yes. No but uh, with that said, thanks again, Dan, for coming on. As we always tell you guys, if you'd like to, you, to reach out to us, you can add his Cavalier Pod on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, anything at it's cavalier underscore pod and if you'd like to be added to that exclusive it's cavalier discord chat you know what to do leave a rating leave a review send a screenshot of said review and email it to it's cavalier 53 at gmail.com Cavs matchup tonight with chicago bulls um you know very shorthanded hopefully they pull out a w uh but until then go Cavs. <laughs>